You're listening to episode 232, The Spirit of Business with KC Rossi. And one of the mistakes was pivoting too fast, Mm. expecting the results to happen um, in a rapid space. And okay, it didn't work in three or four months. Let's create again. And so those nine different businesses that my partner and I did were were in a four-year period. Wow. And then it wasn't until the 10th one where we like literally settled in, took a breath. And like you said, had that faith that if God wants us to do this, this one will work. And we actually had a pact. If that one wasn't going to work, we were going to go the conventional route. And it's like just leaning into that, that worked and it grew exponential. And that was one that we ran for 17 years. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. So happy to have you with me here today. Today is Friday, March 5th. 2021. Billie Jean King taking it off for us. Famous tennis player. Champions keep playing until they get it right. (laughs) What a great quote, you know, especially if you're a perfectionist like I am. Recovering perfectionist, but still a perfectionist. This quote just rings so true. You know, you just keep doing it until it is right. You know, I I call all my clients and uh, students superstars, and it's the same thing here. You know, if you want to be a real champion in life, a superstar, You have to keep playing until you get it right for yourself. And this is very important. And this is why I said for yourself, a lot of times we get stressed out and put pressure on ourselves to get it right for someone else, for someone else's standards. But ultimately, and that's what we're going to be talking about today too, is you have to get it right for yourself. That's what it's all about. Today, my guest has been in business for quite a while. And we're going to be talking about getting it right for yourself, being in alignment with yourself, being true to yourself. You know, business has been a big theme lately on the show in the last couple of weeks. If you've been tuning in, if you haven't, that's okay. We have been doing a lot of great talks on everything from sort of the more mechanical aspects of how to start and run your business to sort of the more, you know, ethereal aspects to mindset, how to be in alignment with who you are. Last week, uh, I talked to Kurt about being in alignment with your brand and what that really means to be authentic. We had a great conversation and today is no different. My guest is Casey Rossi. She's a business and mindset coach who helps leaders scale profitable, soul-aligned businesses. She's the founder of the Soulprint Method, a system that helps entrepreneurs manifest a thriving business that stems from their core values. So important. She's the host of the Women Developing Brilliance podcast, a show dedicated to sharing real talk about the CEO journey. She's been a full-time entrepreneur for 29 years and has built six and seven plus figure businesses. Casey is also a certified aromatherapist, mind-body coach, and NLP practitioner, which allows her to bring a holistic and intuitive approach to her coaching. She's also been on seen on ABC, NBC, CBS, 
Thrive Global, Female Entrepreneurial Association, and the Smart Girl Tribe, to name a few. So excited to have Casey, someone with Casey's experience on the show, and just to be able to discuss so many important things about business. Like I said, you know, we've talked about some of the mechanical aspects to business, and in, in this episode, we're going to be really diving deep into what does it truly mean to be in alignment with yourself, with the things that you're doing. And again, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to take advantage of this episode and this conversation, because really this is life advice to me. This is about, okay, you know, we're, life is too short to be inauthentic with yourself, whether in your career job, whether you have a business, whether you're uh, going to school for something that you're really not passionate about. I mean, life is too short. You have to be true to yourself. This is the ultimate message and what we're going to be diving into today, how to avoid burnout, how to be authentic, and also how to proceed from there and be successful because that's what the market is about. That's what the future is about. It's really going to reward people who are authentic to themselves. So it's a great time to be alive. If you want to stay in touch with Casey, I'm going to put a post on the show notes. This is episode 232, danceoflife.com slash podcast to stay in tune with all that stuff and to also check out the links. You know, she's going to be sharing how to set your perfect pricing. So she's going to be sharing a guide there. I'm going to put the link in the show notes post for this. So if you want a guide on how to set your perfect pricing for whatever you're doing, go check it out. It's episode 232. Without further ado, let's do it. Episode 232, The Spirit of Business with Casey Rossi. I'm excited. So, but I'm excited also to have you on the show. You've been you've been doing quite a lot with everything. How long have you been in in business and doing entrepreneurship? Uh, 2021 will be my 30th year of being a full-time wow. entrepreneur. And that's had a lot of iterations throughout the decades. But yeah, I truly, for me, I believe like, you know, business is in our DNA. It's like something yeah. that, you know, we're destined to do. And then we just kind of fulfill it and keep pivoting as we change and grow. I'm also a huge personal and spiritual development uh, junkie. And it seems like we have a lot in common. So this will be a fun conversation. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, it's so interesting because I think you you recognize the value of spirituality and entrepreneurship. And I think a lot of people, when they hear that, you know, maybe it's it's got certain connotation to it. But I think, in essence, entrepreneurship is a spiritual practice at some point because ultimately, for you to sell what's important to you, there's so many. I, I mean, you can tell me obviously your story as well. But in my particular case, I've noticed there's so many spiritual things you I had to learn in order to be successful as an entrepreneur, you know, like to find your voice, to be vulnerable, to take action, to be courageous, to uh, take risk, you know, to, you know, all these things that are essentially spiritual lessons that you have to learn as an entrepreneur. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the the details, right? I mean, the, the how, the who, the, you know, what, where, the hacks, the strategies, but really... Um, you know, sometimes I think one of the biggest problems is, or, or things to, to learn is the spiritual side of things in your own character. Absolutely. I, honestly, I couldn't agree more. It's really one of the main reasons that I still have passion after all these years is <laughs> <Yeah>. because <laughs> of that spiritual aspect. And yeah. it feels like this kind of um, challenges us in ways that 
we wouldn't be able to do necessarily like running away to the mountains or looking in a book mm. for the answer, but it's something that we're met with these very personal, deep-seated things that we have to go through. And mm. um, we're the only ones that can go through it. We're the only ones that actually have to like walk through the fire in order to get to the other side. You know, it's interesting too, because when when you said that business is tied in our DNA and I kind of have this sort of mental vision or flashback, not really a flashback, but I guess just kind of came to my mind of, you know, we, we evolved as sort of these nomads initially before we sat down with agriculture, even when we kind of got into agriculture and we've always had to figure it out. You know, we've always been in sort of this, you know, free market, quote unquote, where you had to make your own opportunity in essence and, and be resourceful and take risks. And all these things I think have been, uh, like you said, programmed into our DNA and business is just a natural extension. Like there was no situation in our evolution, at least in our earlier evolution, where you would just sit still in a place and, you know, you just kind of work there and you get, you know, you get money and you get all your needs met. You always had to move. You always had to take risk. All these things were kind of ingrained in our daily mind and behavior. A hundred percent. I mean, survival was really how creative could we be? Really. Mm, yeah, exactly. And every day we had a new opportunity to find a way to have it be easier or to sustain us longer. So mm. yeah, this is just an extension of that. And I do think that 2020 has tested our resilience on a global level more than ever and yeah. has allowed us to dig deep and think, okay, how can we pivot? How do we become more creative? And, um, and in a way it's kind of cool because I think a lot of people had deep seated unhappiness that they just kept masking because yeah. they thought that they should and this is really giving them an opportunity to shed things that they really didn't want to do anyway. It's it's very interesting. I mean, you look at, you know, 2020 has been a hell of a year, but you look at sort of the bright side of it in the sense that anytime you're creating something massive, it always seems very messy up close, right? And it's Absolutely. Just, and uncomfortable. Oh, that yeah. messy middle is so uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, through the years, it's like, you know, when you're pivoting, you're like, not this again, not the messy middle. But, you know, I think just necessary. having that faith. Yeah, it's totally necessary. And it's like, you know what? I have the muscle memory to like go through this. And I know that it's going to feel better on the other side and just kind of breathing through that and giving yourself ample space for that. Because I think we're all so used to like instant gratification. We want results yesterday. And that messy middle doesn't have a timeline. Yeah. And that can be scary. That's that's a good point. I mean, I think it kind of also comes back to some of these main virtues I think you need as an entrepreneur and really, I think in life, but entrepreneur certainly teaches you. And I think one of them, especially in, in my case, has been faith. You know, just this sense of like, okay, you know, like I believe in what I'm doing, even though there's no proof that it's working right now, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. certainly there's that messy middle where, um, you know, I wrote something, I wrote something the other day about, um, basically being able to have a tolerance window between mm. the, uh, the failures that happen in your life. You know, somebody who's a beginner and they're, they're starting something out, you know, they freak out at the first sign of change because they don't know what to expect, right? And so what sort of creates the mastery is your ability to delay that window and tolerate and understand that, okay, everything's in cycles, have that faith, look forward, you know, keep, keep strong in what I believe, stay focused, all these things. And uh, that's certainly a practice. 
but I think entrepreneurism teaches you that practice for sure. You have to. (laughs) It does. I like the way that you framed it with delaying that window. And I think again, that breath and space is so needed, especially for startups, because we're used to seeing like quote unquote, overnight successes on the Mm. highlight reels on social. And sometimes we can feel our results should be coming faster because we're putting in so much time and effort and work. Why isn't the universe meeting our, our needs and desires? And, you know, to be honest with you, for the first chunk of my entrepreneurial career, I had like nine rejections and nine different iterations of completely different businesses before the 10th one, quote unquote, took off. And one of the mistakes was pivoting too fast, Mm. expecting the results to happen um, in a rapid space. And okay, it didn't work in three or four months, let's create again. And so those nine different businesses that my partner and I did were, were in a four year period Wow. And then it wasn't until the 10th one where we like literally settled in, took a breath. And like you said, had that faith that if God wants us to do this, this one will work. And we actually had a pact. If that one wasn't going to work, we were going to go the conventional route. And it's like just leaning into that, that worked and it grew exponential. And that was one that we ran for 17 years. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it is true. It's, there's certainly like, what is there at least the first year or at least first two years, you know, you're just, you have to be able to write those off in a sense, like, like, okay, like this is the, the beginning. It's nothing's going to happen. Probably, you know, something might happen, but most likely statistically, uh, what is it like the first, uh, first two years or something businesses mostly fail or quit or something. I don't remember what the statistics. Absolutely. Is, and I, I think between year two and three is when you start to like, you have your sea legs, you're yeah. used to rejection. Like you start to develop that resiliency. You're still kind of figuring things out. And I think trying to overcome that dreaded imposter syndrome, like all those things mm. happen. One of the things, I don't know about you, Tudor, but it's like, we think we're so unique with unique problems, but it's like, you really open your eyes and be like, Oh, Wow so many people struggle with these exact same issues and they've traversed it and gotten to the other side. No, it's, it's so crazy. I mean, I, I started a, a business. Well, here's a question for you, but I'll tell you a story first. I started a business with a buddy of mine and we, we got into uh, creating, we wanted to create like inspirational clothing and it was, you know, it was a fun time. I certainly learned a lot, but it's like, my tolerance for the risk that eventually it got to, like we had to drop like, you know, 50, 60 grand to basically get it to where we wanted to go. Clothing is, anytime you have a product, it's a whole different story. That's why I love information products. You know what? I can just record this. It's perfect. Every Like it'll be perfect now. Then it's going to be 30 years from now, assuming the internet is still around or whatever it is. But uh, with products, it's, it's a mess. And so, you know, it gets to the point where there are pivotal times. The, the, the hard thing is realizing when to quit and when to keep going. Let me put it that way. And I think that there is no right answer. There's the right, there's the one that you believe in. I, I believe, you know, it's like you, you do what you believe most in and you'll find out either way. If you quit and you shouldn't have quit, you'll learn that you shouldn't have quit. If you quit and you should have quit, then okay, you were true to yourself. But for you, when do you recognize that moment? Like, when do you recognize the moment that, okay, maybe I should quit. Like, when is that the right time? Yeah, that's such a great question. I would say I'm a huge fan of intuition and going more with the information coming from our gut 
and that mm. brain in our belly more than our mind, which can definitely trick us with a lot of mental gremlins and comparison and self-doubt. Yeah. And so I think really quieting all the outside and looking within for the answer versus asking everybody outside of you, what do you think? Mm. I think you're going to get profound answers and wisdom that you can really feel like you're like stepping on a solid foundation and then you can launch from there because we already internally know our inner wisdom is so far ahead of our mind that we already really know the true answer. And I think it's just that in this time when it's so easy to be overstimulated and bloated on digital technology and the information era that we often forget that real wisdom that's just waiting for us to look inside and quiet mm -hmm. the noise. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I was talking to somebody about social media the other day and how, you know, it's like there's, it's so much complexity right now. And people in the future are like, literally there's going to be careers that are just devoted to managing your social media profiles or, you know, something where it's like that person's job, they're 100% devoted to this constantly changing matrix around you. And for me, like, I think we were talking about delegating or something. It was entrepreneurship type of conversation. And I said, you know, like for me, that's just such a waste of time. Like, cause I'm creative and I need to like do stuff. I would rather invest my time in learning timeless things as much timeless things. Like obviously you have to learn certain things just to keep up with the momentum and those things change. So you learn them again. But the percentage, if I could put a percentage on it, I would rather have 80% to 20% ratio of timeless things that give me awareness like that's permanent. Do you know what I mean? Like rather than, you know, you spend your whole life obsessing over the details and then they change the algorithm and some, or some other crap changes. Mm -hmm. And then what have you learned spiritually? Like you haven't learned how to deal with failure. You haven't learned how to uh, love yourself better, how to delay gratification. Like these things are timeless. And when you learn them yeah. in business, you know, they don't, you know, awareness doesn't go backwards, you know? So I think we, we kind of forget that a little bit. Absolutely. I love that philosophy. I'm right on board with that. And I'm really a believer of like a yin yang philosophy where yeah. you as the creator, you as the CEO of your life and business, you get to do that 80, 20 rule of leaning into those timeless, beautiful modalities and learning to detach and know when to delegate and when to delete things. Again, big fan of minimalism as well. Go deeper and not wider, just so you can increase your productivity and joy. And the big part is the online visibility, because no matter how amazing you are and how much brilliance you have inside of you to shine, if people don't know about you, you're not having that global impact that could really create a positive ripple. So I think it needs to be a balanced act and stay in your zone of genius and definitely lean into those beautiful, timeless things and have someone else who it's their zone of genius to stay on top yeah. of marketing trends and splinter your content and share your message and like be super excited in, in their role. So I think you need both. No, absolutely. I mean, especially it depends on what phase of the business you're in too. I think in the beginning, it's just so much of that yang energy of like creation, go, go, go energy, effort, push risk. But as you scale and, and grow that business, you definitely need to incorporate systems and um, you know, the details have been, if you don't like it, then you have to find somebody that is really passionate about it for sure. <laughs> 100%. And, and let me tell you, this has been a long process in the making because being a type A high achieving personality, like for me, I used to feel that 
the only way to do it was to grind into hustle. And so mm. I have experienced burnout and adrenal fatigue and, you know, kind of doing it the wrong way, not wanting to delegate, feeling that yeah. I was the only one that could do it right and be in that perfectionism lane. So uh, yeah, it's been a long process and journey. And, and I think to your point of that self-discovery, these are layers that unless we go through those challenges, we don't even realize the root cause that's creating us to over-deliver and people please. Yeah, I'm curious about your experience with burnout because I think there is a physical component and a spiritual component for sure to it. And a lot of entrepreneurs will in unavoidably experience burnout. I think it's just unavoidable. I think that's part of the the DNA or the plan of an entrepreneur because essentially entrepreneurism calls you to do something greater than just, you know, the norm. And so you have to extend yourself. You have to be uncomfortable and that will evoke the imbalances in your in your psyche and your spirit and those imbalances will usually lead to some sort of burnout. So I'm curious in your case, how did it happen and what was some of the biggest things that you learned from that experience? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So I would say that it probably happened faster. It wasn't really a gradual process for me. Uh, When the 10th business took off, we grew really fast. Mm. And at the time we were taking care of my partner's mom who had had a stroke. She had had a car accident. She was pronounced dead on arrival and we needed to do something in the home so we could take care of her. And within the first six to eight months, we grew so fast that we had like 120 road reps selling our product. And we actually had to get into a bigger manufacturing facility because it was a perishable product. It was a product-based business. And so I think that that one rapid success, um, we didn't quite have the capacity yet to grow into. And so Mm -hmm. we were learning on the fly and all of a sudden it was like, oh, wow, um, how do we manage a team? How do we have, you know, in the beginning, we didn't have 25 employees, but as we grew, we got to 25 employees and um, really managing, you know, almost a multiple seven figure operation was like, wow, we're learning on the job here. And I ended up gaining 80 pounds in that year. Just like that. And it was funny because my partner and I used to always maintain around the same weight. We do little challenges and like health things and stuff and her weight maintained. And I was like, what is it about my stress system that just like, boom, you know, totally Mm. changed everything. So from there, I ended up getting visual migraines and they just became a normal thing. It was something that I'd have two or three a week and I would just adapt and I never really stopped. Um, At one point we were traveling 26 weeks out of the year doing trade shows and selling our wares. And so that was a lot of energy to take in. And I'm a pretty sensitive like person, you know, in general, Um, I can pick up on energy and it was a lot of eyes to look into and and be with for weeks on end. So, oh, (laughs) it was. So um, it took years really to address it, even despite like diagnoses. And I really ignored it for a long time because I wore it as a badge that I was working hard. It was proof that I was doing a really good job working hard. It's funny. I think a lot of people have that badge, you know, work is uh, sometimes like an excuse to, to sort of not grow spiritually or to hide from other people or to, you know, even be, a. I mean, it's, it's weird how the brain works. Right. But we, we even to be a victim, that, oh, you know, I didn't have time to do this or, you know, I I just can't, life is too hard or whatever else. It's funny how we fall into those mental traps. 
Yeah. And I think that when we do something over and over again, it just becomes our normal pattern. Mm. And it takes a lot of personal development to stop that pattern and change your habits and recognize where those gaps are, because it's usually your shadow side, right? That nobody really loves to look at that. You have to, like you said, like I got to a point where I needed to have a full calendar. I'd get anxiety if there was extra white space on my calendar, very That's different so to how I, I operate now. Like <laughs> you really? Yeah. It's, it's weird. And it's weird. Especially when you get in the momentum of super productivity. We were talking a little bit earlier about the book that I'm, I'm releasing. It's just like, you get in this rhythm of like, okay, check the to-do list, you know, go here, go here, go here. Your brain just goes ticket to ticket to ticket to ticket to ticket. And then when you actually get caught up with that, you're like, oh, your nervous system doesn't know what to do with the empty space. And it's like, that's a real problem. <laughs> you have to know. Absolutely. What to do that. Yeah. No, that's crazy. I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the value of these things, especially if they're doing entrepreneurship or if they have a side hustle if they want to go into business, even if you're, you know, having a career that's a little more advanced and you're, you know, doing more independent things for your company and things like that, I think it's all kind of the same. And it's really the balance between, you know, how much stress is enough stress to be, you know, productive, mm -hmm. but if we're, positive we're resistance, right? Positive resistance. Yeah. Or how much is, is too much to where it's going to crush you. And I think a lot of people neglect their, uh, mental and, and physical health in entrepreneurship, you know, because we just, oh, just got to just push through it. Just got to grind harder. It's very, we live in a ma very masculine energy driven, um, you know, it's like work harder to work harder, not work smarter, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's, uh, absolutely. That's, that's partly what burns a lot of people out. I know in my case, for sure, I, I, that was one thing that led me to burn out a lot is just, okay, let me just push it. Like, forget it. I would stay up till two in the morning, you know, dealing with stuff. And it's just like, you can't do that. You have to have a wind down routine and it's going to get done tomorrow. It's, you know, you have to respect your sleep and your energy and everything else. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And it somehow is unfortunate that we have to almost get to our own personal rock bottom in order to make a change Yeah, and, and recognize there is a, a choice and I, and I can choose, no one's going to choose for me, how I can rearrange my life. The beauty is that all it takes is a decision yeah. and then we can change like that. Like we don't have to be a victim of our patterns. I find it interesting because it's, uh, you know, you brought up this whole idea of yin and yang and uh, I'm sure you can relate to this. I talk a lot about duality and sort of, you know, there's this dualism all the time that we're dealing with. And these types of situations to me are very much catalysts of learning. And it's like you said, it's unfortunate we have to learn this way, but really I mean, it's just kind of, it's like the only way to learn in a, in a system that's dualistic in nature. I mean, you have to go, you have to burn out in order to realize the value of going slow. Everything is discovered through its opposite, right? Like, or the opposite, you know, I've met people and, and helped people that were, um, you know, on the opposite end in sort of the type B or, you know, ah, I don't know if I should take action. I kind of let me just think about it a little bit. And so they tend to stagnate and they don't do anything. And so that leads to this sort of inner turmoil and resilience or resistance until they finally miss the opportunity that they really cared about. And so there's regret, you know, and that finally moves them into action. So it's like, there's always something, it's like bouncing a ball off a wall. You have to hit it against the wall in order for it to go the other way, you know? So I find it's definitely, uh, really, it's so interesting with these experiences, how they always lead us back to, you know, like a correcting mechanism almost. I mean, pain is our great teacher. Yeah. And it is, it is kind of the motivator to do it a different way, 
I mean, we're obviously going back to your point of kind of like how we were originally programmed, we're programmed to avoid pain. Mm, And so our system is going to work in our favor in order to, you know, have more pleasure and reduce the pain. And so in a way, I guess, you know, it's a way to be grateful because we wouldn't really grow and change if we didn't have it. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, it's, uh, and I think that's, that's really the thing is like, you, you just hit it on the nail on the head is when you can, when you can find gratitude for the crappy things that come into your life and you see their purpose, you see that they're happening for you. Uh, and I think that's why for me, it comes back down to faith and not necessarily in a religious sense, but just, just having the faith that listen, life is good. Like light, you know, things are happening for me. This is part of the plan, even though it seems like it's totally not. It's always part of the plan. If you can have that, then everything falls into, you know, into alignment, I think. I 100% agree. I have a daily gratitude practice. It shape shifts my day. Um, On the times that I forget, I can feel it. I can feel the difference. (laughs) It primes you, you know, when it's a part of your routine. And it's a day one type of thing too. I've noticed that, you know, it's like you you don't, uh, like when you go to the gym and you lift weights and you gain some muscle, like, okay, you could skip maybe a few weeks and you'd still have your muscle. But with gratitude, it's just like, it's a day one type of thing. Every day is a new day and you have to do it every day. Otherwise it's so easy to forget. Yeah. Which is kind of cool because if you start again, you know, for me, I got to a point because I love learning and I love personal and spiritual development, but I really got to the point where I had it almost like in a robotic laundry list of a way. Mm. And it wasn't until I had a coach pointed out to me this year and she was like, you know, what's your routine and what are your practices? And I just listed this huge thing from like ringing bowls to meditation to gratitude. And I was just going on and on and on. And she was like, mm-hmm. hold the phone. Like there sounds like there's no joy in that whatsoever. It seems like you're just like going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Are you tapped into the feeling state? And then that has just been a whole discovery of embodiment and feeling and energy and just like attracting what you want, like a joy magnet. And I think my other philosophy, or I didn't even really have awareness, but I was almost chasing joy. And just that shift of being like, oh my gosh, like I'm chasing joy and it's going to be this elusive butterfly. How do I turn that around and drop into the heart wisdom and the feeling space and become a joy magnet? And that's Mm -hmm. been really profound for me this year. That's such a, an important thing to bring up because it's the difference between chasing the outcome and aligning yourself so that the outcome comes to you. And I think that the latter is not very well explored in the, um, you know, I guess mainstream Western entrepreneurship, hustle and grind type of culture. Let's put it that way. Right. I mean, nobody talks about, not too many people talk about, Hey, align yourself and then the outcome will that needs to come for you will come for you. It's more about, you got to, you know, put your content out there, do this. Of course, those things are important, but it's, it's very much the focus is on chasing. And yeah, yeah. definitely. I think one of the things in that, just um, a tangent that I'm thinking about is a lot of people that I see myself included, I think are waiting to actually achieve that outcome before they can help others achieve it. Hmm. And it's an interesting thing about alignment because it was a little bit of a struggle and a dance, if you will, to help other entrepreneurs get out of burnout because I've certainly not mastered it. I've yeah. had the pain and struggle and I feel like I've had this um, 
deep empathy and awareness because of it, but I can't say that I have the work-life balance in any way. And so Mm. I think that there's this thing of alignment where people feel like I have to get it all together before I can actually use my platform to help other people do it. And I don't really agree with that. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. I feel like we teach what we most need to learn. And how does that stay in alignment if we haven't quote unquote achieved that outcome? There was a, a seminar type of convention thing I went to last year in 2019. Although by the time this interview posts, it'll be 2021. But in 2019, I went to a seminar and it was like a business thing. And this, it was such a cool little moment. It was a, one of the workshops or classes in there was about this exact question. Somebody said, Hey, how do you know, like who, who's your target market? You know, who, who can you, you know, basically sell to teach all that kind of stuff. Like, how do you know where you belong? (laughs) You know, basically. And uh, the guy drew this line on a, on a board, on a whiteboard. And he said, uh, you know, he drew drew a, a perpendicular line in the middle. And he said, this is you. He's like everything to the left of the line, you know, there are people who are less experienced than you. Those are your clients. Everything who is to the right of the line, people who are more experienced than you. Those are your mentors, you know? So it was a very simple Sweet. thing. And it, and it was just like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, alignment is an ongoing process, you know, to be in alignment is not really, it's like the difference between a juggler and some scales. You know, when you're holding scales, we all have this idea that balance and alignment, I think is uh more like scales where you have to even out two things and then they just kind of sit there and they're very static. Mm-hmm. But really, I think it's, it's much more about a juggler. It's somebody who is, okay, keeping the momentum and pattern and rhythm of something, you know, I have a couple active things and they're changing position all the time, but the overall system is in dynamic balance. You look in nature, everything is like that. So I think in our schedules and, and especially as entrepreneurs and balancing all these things, we forget that balance, dynamic balance is a moving thing. And so because it's moving, it's never really done. And so, yeah, I love that. I love how you frame that. (laughs) And I love the word dynamic because it really is changing. And as we grow and change, you know, we need to pivot and shift and get in alignment again. And I think just to your point that gratitude almost feels like we're starting over when the sun rises and it's a new practice. Yeah, It's almost like alignment as well. Like, how do I get in alignment today? How do I get in alignment in this moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I stretch every night. You know, and it's like, it's it's not like you stretch one night and then like, all right, now I'm stretched out for the, for the year. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't want to either. You know, if if something stretched you out that much in one day, that would, you know, that would ruin your body if it was, you know, that much. So it's really about these little constant increments that we have to do every day. You know, it's, um, gosh, it's so funny. I was talking about this recently too, with somebody about goals, and how they are necessary illusions, how we kind of, you know, I used to train a lot of people to do competitive dancing. And one of my favorite things to, one of my favorite memories was doing some of these charities around town where they would recruit, they're like dancing with the stars type of charities. And they would recruit mm-hmm. professionals uh, to, to, to train, you know, people in the community. And then you basically have to prepare this person who's never danced before in six months, they're going to be like half naked, you know, with a rhinestone dress and, and performing and trying to raise money. I mean, talk about the ultimate stress. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying. I mean, I, I'm terrified for them, you know? So it's like, uh, it's definitely terrifying, but one of my favorite parts of that whole experience was literally the, the, the right, the 10, 15 minutes before that we would go on, on stage because 
it all kind of came together at that point. You know, up until that point, you're working on all the who, the what, with the where, the how. Okay, put your arm here, do this, you know, all the details. But none of that shit really matters in the end. I mean, in the end, it's it's just uh, props. What really matters is, are you present when the thing happens? And then they they do their their performance. And then right after, they realize that it's all gone forever. Mm-hmm. And they say, wow, all that prep, all that work, six months of lessons and lessons and training and, and hardcore work. And all, oh my God, it's gone. Well, I don't want to stop dancing. I want to, I want to keep, you know, <laughs> keep dancing. So usually most of the time, those situations would always lead to a long-term client. But, uh, but the point yeah. is, and, you, and I didn't have to sell them anything. It was just the experience, the realization that the goal itself was sort of just this necessary illusion. The, all the, all you really have is the practice. All you really have is the showing up every day to do the dancing. And obviously you can replace dancing in quotation marks with business, with anything else you want, but uh, all you really have is the present moment and creating and constantly creating that present moment because goals, as soon as you achieve them, they're gone. So what do you do? Do you stop? No, you keep going. You keep practicing. You keep stretching. You keep doing your business because you love to do it. Yeah. You keep showing up for yourself and tapping in and And yeah, beginning again. And I think celebrating your wins so it doesn't feel like something was like a great buildup and then it was poof, be gone. Because I think a lot of people that, you know, work hard to launch something, whether it's a book or a product, there is a little bit of like that letdown when it's done. And I think that just... (laughs) You know, and I think just having that awareness of like celebrating the wins and then it's like, okay, what's the next chapter? And and to your point, it's like, how do I continue this momentum, you know, yeah. and keep tapping in and keep having these experiences. And we realize all the things that we were maybe procrastinating on because of the hard work or struggle are the exact things that brought us the joy in the end. Mm. Is there anything you do specifically in your day that uh, helps you sort of tap in to that, to that feeling besides the yeah meditation for sure. Yeah. Meditation Mm -hmm. is a non-negotiable. I've been doing it for 30 years. Um, and that's, yeah, that's something that, um, it depends actually the, I don't have like a a set thing. Um, I mean, I, I generally get in an hour a day, but my goal is always more because that's the kind of personality that I have. (laughs) Um, but I definitely get an hour as a minimum and, that's an opportunity to just, again, quiet the noise and tune within and, and wait for those heart wisdoms to float up instead of being mind driven, which again, has been like a layered process. And then consistently every day I walk around the winery with my best friend in the afternoon. And that's just such a great physical practice. And we recap the day and we take in the surroundings and, you know, we even play some games, like how many nature sounds can we hear? Like, you know, it's just fun. It's just a fun way to connect. Yeah. You know, I think nature is such a big part of seeing what we need to see. You know, it's, it's the simplest thing, just walking by some trees, you know, seeing the birds move around, you know, chirp, chirp, seeing the rhythms of life, I think yeah, uh, are so calming. You know, the brain I think is so overstimulated. Like you said earlier, we live in this, you know, constantly chattering environment. And so you tend to get lost in that. You get lost in your own micro problems and it's hard to be creative unless you just step out of it. You have to force yourself to step out of it. You, you do. Know, it, it's uh, I find how many times it's like, I literally like, you know, when you sit down and you can, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like a lot of the work in entrepreneurship is very channeled work, channeling in the sense like, okay, I have a shit ton of stuff I need to do. 
I need to just sit down and I can't have be disturbed for like 10 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least, at least. And it's like, you know, it's, it's tough because you, you can't just do that every day. You have to work those mini breaks in of going out in nature, doing maybe a little stretch break, doing some meditation, doing some gratitude, eating mindfully. All these things sound so simple and maybe meaningless, but they're actually the most important part of maintaining. That's where the magic is. That's where the magic is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I started doing a little thing this week where it's like, every time I have to like do a transition, you know, from outside to inside, I'm going to recognize something, whether it's the moss Mm. on the tree whether it's like listening to something like a squirrel crunching on the snow. And it's really like kind of just shocked me because it immediately drops you into your body and it totally brings down your nervous system. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is a cool little practice that kind of popped up. So that's right before you come in back into the house after you've walked outside? Yep. Any transition from outside to inside or inside to outside. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. And it's cool because it's also, I think it's, not a hard thing to develop because you're stacking it with something you already know that you're doing. Like, okay, I know that every time I cross a door, <laughs> I'm going to click in my brain say, look, look for something around. That's, that's cool. I like that a lot. And it's interesting because it's really allowed me to be like, oh, interesting. I have my cell phone in my hand and I'm usually looking at it on the way to warming my car up and getting in the driver's seat. I can't do that now. Like keep my phone in my pocket. So I actually increase my awareness of my surroundings and not in my digital device. What have been some of the hardest habits for you to change, I guess, in the last year, would you say? I'm a fast eater. And so I would say Mm. that that's been um, a habit, like a long habit that I've been trying to be more mindful of and enjoy it and savor it and not multitask, not bring my avocado toast in front of the computer when I'm checking <laughs> emails. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like, really like look at it and savor it, enjoy it again, bring in the gratitude, you know, like I get yeah. to make anything I want. Like I'm so blessed, like really smell it and be a part of it. So I think that that's something for sure. Um, I, that one's coming to mind. I mean, I feel like every day there's almost like a new thing to look at. (laughs) Like, Mm. how can we optimize this? And I think in that, to be really honest with you, part of it, I think, is enjoying that present moment because I am programmed for like Kaizen philosophy. I love never-ending improvement. I absolutely love it. I get excited and charged by it. And I find that sometimes that doesn't allow me to just like take a breath for that present moment and be like, this is amazing. Like I've arrived Mm. and settle into that. So I would say that that's still a continual practice for me because there's a part of me that doesn't want to give up that continuous improvement. Maybe that's even a little bit of a fear. Like if I stop being ambitious, am I going to be lazy? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) you know, like I still want to have the fire and how do I just like settle in, in just total fulfillment right now? Mm. It's such a balance, you know, it's because part of you wants to have that future that's exciting, that's, you know, coming and you want to plan it and make sure it's the way you want it to be, or maybe even better. But then the other part is, okay, we only live in the present moment. That's all there really is. You know, and yeah. it's, it's so easy to forget when we're even doing creative work. I find, you know, it's like creative work is fun and it's, I think you should be creative in life. That's part of our purpose here, but Essentially, if you think about it, being creative pulls you out of the present moment. You have to go into a different realm in the future somewhere. You're kind of planning and thinking and stuff. And so 
you know, you dip your toes in there, but it's very easy to get lost in that realm and to, to only mm-hmm. live in the future and creating and planning. And then you pretty much miss what's happening right in front of you. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs and people in business or people who have very busy careers, um, you know, they get strung into that sort of future. It's constantly about what's, what, what's going to happen. What's next? What's next? What's and next? It's like, hey, this is what's next right here. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love the Abraham Hicks quote. um, You don't work your way to joy. You joy your way to joy. Mm. And so that whole piece, because, you know, that old paradigm of like hard work is honest work and that hustle and grind is the way that has been something where it's like, oh, to feel good is the quote unquote work. How can I feel Mm. better? You know? And so it's kind of a paradox because it's just like, even having the word work in there to get joy. It's like, how can I just let it be easy? Like, how do I ease my way into joy? Hmm. Do you think, well, I should ask you this. What do you think is the future of entrepreneurism? And and do you think we are seeing a shift in this sort of old puritanical sort of attitude of, of just, you know, work yourself to death and, and sort of deny your body, your pleasures, you know, all these kind of ancient, uh, values, which some of them are, are good, you know, obviously there's truth in everything, but do you think that we are seeing a shift in that? What do you, what do you think about the future? I do. Business? I think we're definitely seeing a shift. I think that people are ready to be more integrated. And mm-hmm. I think that the old way of the black and white nine to five person, and then you get to live your life when the workday is done is starting to dissolve, which is a beautiful thing. I think more and more people want to live their life honestly in true color and be integrated. And personally, I feel that work is going to be melded with worship. It's going to be very aligned with our core values, our spirituality. Like it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be bringing it to a more soul centered passion more than a get to like it's more than kind of like got to i should say um philosophy it's going to be like i want to like this is Mm -hmm. this is what i meant to do like this is my work here and i think that as people start cracking into their own higher consciousness i think that they're going to see what their destiny is and take it on as almost a role and responsibility but in not a um obligatory way Yes. But in, in a way that like we have a true purpose, like we have this human birth to make a difference and have an impact. And so I think you're going to see more globally conscious businesses coming about, more holistic businesses where people are really looking at the whole body and they're not afraid to bring in things that maybe were taboo before, whether it's their spirituality or whatever. I think people are leaning more into their voice and being celebrated for the diversity instead of ostracized. So it's actually super exciting. I also feel that there is on a global um, scale a feminine rising. And mm-hmm. I think you're starting to see women use their voice more, step into their power, shed excuses of self-doubt um, and maybe hiding behind certain things like labels of being an introvert or anything else that was holding them back. You're really starting to see I know I am in my world, but I also see it moving more and more in that space. And in the future, um, women really taking more empowered roles of leadership. Hmm. Now, that's really interesting. I actually interviewed somebody recently who's a, uh, a really big business person in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Southeast Asia. 
And she, she has this like women's network of successful women entrepreneurs. It's like 200,000 women, you know, and, and in Southeast Asia, like we're talking countries like Myanmar and, you know, Philippines and, you know, countries that were traditionally, you know, a little more traditional roles for people and weren't, you know, having this open free market. And it's so cool to see, um, just to see those values kind of popping up all over the world. It's, it's becoming a true global economy for everybody to. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, you mentioned something really important, which is the voice. And, you know, there's there's sort of this whole onus in the future on really owning who you are, understanding who you are so that you have your unique platform and voice and positioning. Let's put it that way. So what is what is that? How do you create that? How do you help somebody create their, their voice, find their voice and discover what their positioning is? Yeah, that's such a great question. I would have to say that a super um, effective exercise is really kind of eliciting their core values, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times when people are staying in the mind space, they're like rattling off what they think their core values are. But when you really start digging deeper and you peel back all those layers of, but why, (laughs) you know, like you go down seven layers of, but why it really um, is interesting how often the core values have to do with emotions. Mm. And they have to do with like love and they have to do with like so many different things. It's really not about performance necessarily. And I think for me, that helps people to um, be more aligned and also Mm. they're free to be holistic and to think of business through that spiritual lens again. Um, I think that's a great starting point. And it also allows for room to play and not um, fit the box because I think that's another thing is individuality is going to be what is needed, not what would be nice to be successful in business, but actually what's needed because, you know, like Seth Godin talks about the sea of sameness, you know, Mm. and that's kind of like the death of marketing. And I think that there are, um, you know, as technology continues to increase, so does like our capacity to be creative because we wouldn't even be able to create that technology unless we had the mental capacity to expand and that that whole matrix is getting stronger and stronger. So we're going to start to see, I think, even more creative things. So I think to your point of how do you pull that out in somebody else, one, giving themselves permission to be exactly who they are, not like who they see online that's crushing it and making seven or eight figures, but really owning and self-trusting that what they have is enough and that the there is a specific tribe that has to hear that message right from them. Even if it mm-hmm. seems like your field is dense and there's a lot of competition, really trusting that you have a special message. I think another thing that brings that frosting of uniqueness is your story. Yeah. You know, it's the storytelling and it's being vulnerable and not for, you know, a marketing ploy, because I know that that has gotten a little bit trendy where people are fake being vulnerable because they think they're going to get like (laughs) more followers, but like, you know, really being who you are. And like, if somebody met you on the street, you'd be that exact same person because that is who you are. And I think that sharing your story and talking about the journey in a really authentic way, like I also podcast, I don't edit any of my podcasts because I want it to be the real authentic things. Like people say, um, like that's life, you know, like let's just lay it down. Right. I mean, yes, of course we want to be professional, but I think giving people permission to 
be exactly who they are, share the story, share the journey, share the failures. That's what inspires people. That's how you're really going to build try because, you know, people don't just want that ta-da moment. They want to like root you all the way. Like when you fall and when you put yourself out there and maybe you get it, maybe you don't, they want to stand behind you. So I think that that, that would be a, a great starting point for people to start leaning into tapping into their voice and building the confidence that they're safe more than safe. It's what people are going to applaud is that uniqueness of their voice. Hmm. That's great. And I think that also helps people position themselves with, with everything. And, and I would like to, I want to talk about positioning because I don't think that's very well understood as opposed to marketing, you know, positioning is kind of a little more um, specific, but what is positioning to you and how, what are some strategies that people can use? Let's say once they've kind of figured out their story, figured out their voice, kind of know themselves a little better, how does one position themselves in the market and what does that mean? Yeah, such a brilliant question. I love that you asked that. To me, positioning is, again, bringing that unique point of view and being so secure in who you are and how you help, that has to do with narrowing your niche because we can't be all things to everyone. Or again, it's going to be that like sea of dilution and you're not going to attract anything with something general. So Mm -hmm. it really comes down to that. Like, are you a generalist? Are you a specialist or are you an authority? And if you want to be that expert in your field, how are you really drilling down and making sure that people know exactly that you're the one to come to? To be honest with you, that's something that um, it took me a long time to learn because I really was like a Jane of all trades. Mm. And uh, it really has been something that's just most recently where I'm like, you know what, I really have to release being the one that also does services because I coach my clients, but then up until this year, I also would do services. And that's a really interesting balance because it was like web development, copywriting, Mm. you know, coaching mindset. I mean, the list went on and I, (laughs) it's a lot. And it's just like, there's so many labels, I think on the outside that people weren't hundred percent sure what they were getting on the inside. And so I think being so very clear with your point of view And with that thin sliver of who you're servicing is so huge. And I'm seeing a lot of parallels because I've recently started writing for publications. And, you know, when I first started writing, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have just dumped the whole kitchen sink into this article. And this is a repetitive pattern of what my coaching used to look like. Let Mm. me take you from A to Z and be your expert for everything. And so I think when we start to have this self-awareness muscle, when we start to you know, cultivate it from a simple thing of walking to the car and noticing the moss on the tree, I start looking for similar patterns and I don't mind calling myself out on it. you know. And it's like, okay, how do I do a thin sliver so there's more impact, not only in this article, but in how I help my clients. So I think that that's maybe a simple way to look at how to position yourself as an expert. You know, when you immediately can associate a person's name with how they can help you, I feel they've done an excellent job with positioning themselves. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's, that's, I mean, yeah. Like you think of any brand, like, okay, McDonald's and you think of French fries. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. I help a lot of healers and, you know, part of that segment are aromatherapists. And one of mm. the biggest problems with aromatherapists is they feel that they can help every man, woman, and child. 
because essential oils are these beautiful, powerful healing things from the plant world. And yet that is a segment that struggles to make over 30, 40 K a year. And a lot of it is because of the resistance to niche down. And when you look at the ones that are successful, like one woman is coming to mind specifically, she has narrowed down to really specialize in lymph and using Mm -hmm. essential oils with massage therapy to aid the body with lymph. And now she's an expert that's asked on every panel and, you know, you think of her name and you think of what she helps you with. So um, I think when we can let go of the fear that we're going to leave money on the table, if we narrow our niche or, um, any other things that hold us back from just doing that thin sliver, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see a huge difference. What have been some of the most effective strategies that you've used to position yourself over the last, I mean, you can last year, you said, you know, a lot of big realizations you've had with coaching and stuff. So what's been, what's been really useful for you? I would say um, the writing and really being featured because it's allowed me to have to um condense my voice and message. Hmm. And I think that when we are left to our own devices and we're just like sitting at our desk, it's super easy to be willy nilly and just kind of coast. And so I think like really looking at, um, looking at my style, very similar to how I would structure an article has helped me personally have a strategy of all of those details, but then allowing the flow to come through as well. Like you talked about the who, what, why, like all of those logical things, but then it's like, how do I tap in to let the flow and the heart come as well? So it just doesn't sound robotic, but there's actually like something of interest and value and neat and energy. Mm -hmm. Like where's the energy? Where's the spark? No, it's, it's so important. I mean, positioning, I think is, something that a lot of people don't think about because they're so focused on marketing, you know, marketing, I think is sort of the yang sort of aggressive, like, okay, let's do more ads. Let's do more pictures. Let's do this. But positioning is sort of that more um, less obvious element of, of who you are. And it's sort of that attractive component that we talked about earlier, which is, you know, instead of trying to find the needle in the haystack, become the magnet and, you know, let the needle come to you in a sense. And that's all based on, how you present yourself and in the community and where you, where you speak, what do you specialize in? What do you believe in? Like you said, what's your values? Yeah, it's really the juicy part. And I think that when we can just like take a breath and know that our presence is enough, especially if we're doing the inner work, Mm. that's going to trump like any best business practice, quote unquote, like that really will trump it because people will want to be in your energy and they'll feel your, your authenticity through your aura because you are doing those behind the scenes work because anyone can Google anything and regurgitate it. And that's why there is that sea of sameness, you know, but they can't replicate your inner magnetism. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's one of the highest things of positioning because it's your energy that's going to attract your divine right clients and also make you feel good and also allow that flow to just be easy. And I think that when we keep trying to fill in the blank, that's when it starts to feel like stagnant and like, uh, I've heard that before. Let's click Mm -hmm. and bounce, you know? Yeah. Cookie cutter, cookie cutter marketing and stuff. Well, that's the thing too, is it's, you see a lot of the stuff now it's I'm seeing online, 
you know, you get targeted with Facebook ads all the time for whatever. It's like every interview I have <laughs> with my podcast, I know Facebook is listening because literally after every interview I have, <laughs> I'll go back into Facebook and there's some ad for what I was just talking about. But anyway, um, it's scary. Saw, yeah, it is scary. Uh, I saw, I saw this ad for like, do your own content. I was talking to somebody about business earlier and do your own content. You know, now we've got uh, whatever templates already made for you. And it's like all this push to, uh, you know, get comfort and automation and relief from sort of the chore of having to create your positioning. And to me, I'm like, I mean, I'm a writer, so, you know, I'm sure you can relate to this too. It's like, of course you can always delegate it to somebody else, but to have somebody just sell me like a template, I mean, that could be okay. I might tweak it, but it's like, how do you know that that's in alignment with you? Or are you just kind of trying to get sort of the relief of not having to address your own inner lack of clarity? Do you know what I mean? Like if, you know, a lot of times Absolutely. we don't know who we are. And so we're like, well, crap, I don't want to deal with this uncomfortable feeling. Let me just have somebody else solve the problem here. Let me just get these generic templates, generic emails. And then you're doing more harm than good because then you're sort of creating this fake persona to people and they know we have a very evolved, you know, bullshit meter. And so we can tell when people are being fake. So absolutely. And I can see where it's tempting to want to grab onto a swipe file, but I think that seasoned entrepreneurs know that when they put their spin in it, right. Even though that that may be the harder choice, the outcome is almost always better, (laughs) you know, Yeah, it really is. In fact, you know, I used to write people's about pages and then I realized I was doing a disservice because that was one of the things that would allow them to dig deep and really Mm. uncover the story and pull out things that they maybe didn't even know were dormant. And so it's been a really interesting process to, to see which things can be delegated and which things are actually a part of this whole process. So you become a better person, not just a better business owner. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like kind of, uh, I mean, like with anything you, you go to with kids, you have to let them, you know, fail at school or whatever else, you know, you have to let them get burned a little bit so that they can learn. Otherwise you try to protect them too much and it's like, they're not going to, you know, learn anything. So that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I never thought about that. How do you, here's a question for you. How do you find your perfect price when you're selling something or selling yourself, especially, I think is the hard one, but Yeah, that is. I would, again, go back to the gut instinct. We already know what we want the thing to be priced at. Not doing a Google search and trying to see what our neighbor is pricing something similar. You know, like, yes, there's competitive, you know, analysis and research and things of that nature. But honestly, I would rather price on value, you know, versus any kind of dollar per hour or anything like that. And so, you know, I would say, you know, it's interesting. I have a recent client and, and she wrote her first course and, and she's struggling with the price thing. And I was like, what would this have been worth to you to know all of this stuff organized in a tidy way when you were trying to do this thing, when you were trying to accomplish this goal. And so I think just approaching it that one, I think many people undervalue their Mm -hmm. prices for whatever money mindset situations they have going on under the surface. And so I think too, again, just like leaning into what price is arising to the surface for this thing. 
you know, and it should feel like a little bit of a stretch, just like you were talking about positive resistance. It shouldn't yeah. be like a cakewalk price and yeah. it shouldn't be one so far out that it's not going to be in alignment and that that energy of neediness or insecurity is going to come about. So it should be like a good yoga pose, you know, like you're riding yeah. your edge a little bit, you know, you're doing good work, you know, and you know that you got to put your best foot forward and it's going to stretch you a little bit, which is a good thing because we don't want to again, coast because we never develop great things coasting. Mm. So I think that's a, a good barometer intuition and riding that edge and knowing that, that, um, dynamic balance that you talked about before. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that analogy between the yoga pose. It's got to be just slightly uncomfortable enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's good. I, my favorite yoga is yin yoga. I just, I just love it. Have you ever nice. done yin yoga? I have actually the first time I, I did a yin, yin yoga, yoga class, <laughs> I was dying. Like my mind was like a monkey mind. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like we're holding this for six minutes. Like right, I was yeah. going insane. <laughs> But I felt awesome after it. And yeah, it just really, again, it showed me how wound up, you mm -hmm. know, and how like into the pace of all the global buzz that we can just like get on. And I think yin is slowly unwinding it, which can feel uncomfortable when you're just like leaning in and allowing that muscle to burn. But the interesting thing with yin is it gives you more, yeah. like you get more of a stretch when you let go of the attachment and you let go of like the, I think that the timeline, I always found like, oh my gosh, I got like three more inches on my hamstring string stretch, like yeah. than me trying to like jam it and get into it. So I think that that's a metaphor for life. It is really interesting when I, I haven't done it in a while, but the yin yoga was sort of a, a breakthrough for me in realizing that there are other, like you just said, there are other ways to get success or result than just using force because you Absolutely. have gravity gravity is working all the time and it's very powerful obviously it's very intelligent too if you ever think about how the hell it works i mean it just blows my mind that you know the gravity somehow distinguishes between an elephant and a fly and so it doesn't act the same on either of them it's different but yet it's consistent does never it never breaks you know so it's it's very interesting phenomenon but it's not obvious. Like we don't think about gravity until we let go. Like you said, of the attachment of the, in this case, it's your muscles, but that could be a metaphor for life too. So yeah, it's a great practice. I love yin yoga. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's a good reminder. I'll definitely be, be putting that back into practice. How do you, here's another question for you. Cause we talked about intuition a lot and this is another one of those sort of open-ended, you know, subjective questions, but how do you tell between your intuition and something else? How do you know? How do you know that, 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 that thought coming into your mind is truly your intuition or it's, you know, your insecurities or whatever else, you know, something else? Yeah. Great question. So one, I have to say that it's a practice, like a lot of the other things that we've been talking about. It's something that we develop a muscle, just like we're developing our hamstrings in a yoga practice. We're developing our intuitive muscle and our sense of inner knowing by mm -hmm. leaning on it and seeing a result and success and then trusting it more. And then we just keep building those layers of practice, result, trust, practice, result, trust. And then all of a sudden it will come quicker when we use it. And when we have the faith that we can trust ourselves, mm -hmm. that, that 
that difference too, I think like you mentioned when a thought comes in our mind. And again, like I look at our um, sense of knowing in three different centers, our mind space center, our heart space center and our belly center. And so for me, I can trust that something's coming from an intuitive space when it's coming from my heart center or my gut. And most of the times, something that's flickering through has a different vibration, a different frequency when it's coming through in the mental space. And that's usually the things that are self-doubt or the what ifs or taking you in the back, thinking about something from the past and trying Mm -hmm. to attach evidence of why it didn't work or thinking about it for the future with a sense of worry. And so you start to really delineate between the vibratory frequency and from Mm. what center it's really being, um, you know, rooted in or coming from. And I think again, like the more you can drop down from kind of that mental space, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. That feels good. How does my body feel? Am I feeling expanded? Let me just take a minute. Yeah, that feels good, you know, or am I feeling like contracted and then all of a sudden the stories start? I think that's another real indicator is like when you start to have like a thousand things in a footnote, that's typically your mind. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like usually if it's a spark of inspiration, that's kind of like, oh, wow, that's really exciting. You know, it doesn't have like this reel and this tape of like this story that's looping you down. Nice. Awesome. I love it. Anything exciting coming up for you? Oh, let's see. Exciting. Yeah. I'm I'm actually excited on anything you're launching. Yeah. I'm excited for the new year, to be honest with you. I'm excited. I think that globally people are going to have a shift and I think that um, we're going to start to see new and exciting things because people have gotten out of the shock layer of COVID Mm -hmm. And they've gained a little bit of their sea legs and they've gone through all the different gyrations. And it's like, okay, now we're ready to see what's going to come on the other side. So for me personally, I'm really excited to help leaders lean into that and to really amplify their voice and um, help their visibility and just spread good vibes. Like we're all ready for good vibes. So I'm excited about that. Like you know, having these conversations with people like you that are just like spiritually astute, they know that there's something more in this world and they're committed to make a difference. My excitement is to connect with more of those people as we just continue into a new year and, and bring our best self, right? So other people catch a spark of motivation and we can just continue a momentum of positive things and joyful things because it's really a choice. We get to choose. Nobody controls our mental domain but ourself. Very true. Final question for you. What are you most grateful for? I am most grateful, honestly, to be able to connect with like-minded souls, to connect with people. Like I said, I mean, really just like you're part of my gratitude, right? Like our paths cross for a reason for sure. out of all of these millions of people on the planet. Like somehow there was quote unquote serendipity and we were able to learn and share with each other. So I'm super grateful for that. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with my friend Casey. Such a great conversation on so many things, you know, that we don't tend to usually think about business, uh, but they're so important. They're so important, you know, living in alignment with yourself spiritually, your values, your self-worth, how to be confident, 
how to choose in alignment with your values. These are really the most important aspects to anything. You know, the mechanic, uh, the mechanical things of business, the aspects, the hacks, the strategies, they're important, you know, but they're always changing. And so one of my biggest things that I'm, a pa- I'm passionate about is the timeless stuff, the principles, the things that don't change. And both are important, obviously, but I love talking about the stuff that never changes, that is an endless playground for you to discover and more about yourself to learn. You know, every day we, we learn about confidence. You never master confidence. You never master authenticity because who you are is always changing too. So that message changes. So these things are practices, life practices, and I love talking about this stuff. So thank you for joining me today in this conversation. If you want to stay in touch with KC, make sure you check out episode 232 on com slash podcast. She has her uh, how to set the perfect pricing guide there for free. You can go check it out or, or stay in touch with her. Let's not forget our quote from the very beginning. Champions keep playing until they get it right. Billy Jean King. Love that quote. Whatever it means to you today, you know, wherever it finds you, I think the message is don't give up. Stay in the fight and keep going. It's always darkest before dawn, but dawn always comes. It always comes in the end. And so you have to just keep on going and keep on going towards what is right for you. This is the important part too, to add that to the caveat is keep on going towards what is right for you. Ultimately, that is all you can do is just do what you believe in. Because anything else, you know, life is too short and you burn out. So I hope this has served you today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Share it with your friends. Tune in on Tuesday for a little more of this stuff as we talk about how to find fulfillment in business next week. I'm going to be interviewing another superstar entrepreneur. Her name is Janessia Alora. She's a former Miss Singapore and uh, also a huge influencer in Southeast Asia, empowering hundreds of thousands of women literally through her program. So very excited to get her on the show and talk about how to really find fulfillment in business. You know, she's very successful and has a great success story. So we talk about that. And so I hope to see you there in the conversation. On Tuesday, I'm going to be sharing some different strategies and how to find fulfillment in business that I've learned in my journey as an entrepreneur. Hopefully they can serve your journey wherever you happen to be, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are starting something, whether you're in a career, whether you're a student, single parent, at-home parent, doesn't matter. Hope you find fulfillment in whatever you do. And until then, we'll see you soon. Stay safe, stay healthy. Life is a dance. Go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, Stay connected at danceoflife.com.